At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Now is the best time to start working at Amazon. They are offering sign-on bonuses up to $3,000 and hourly pay up to $22 per hour. You'll bring home a great weekly paycheck and many jobs come with benefits that start on your first day. That's higher pay, sign-on bonuses, benefits day one. And you'll be part of a safe and inclusive workplace ranked among the best in the world. Go to amazon.com slash apply to start your job search today. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Welcome back to the Cosmology and Science Podcast. My name is Richard and I am your host today. And in this episode, we are going to talk about Stephen Meyer's books, especially the first book and the third book. So we made a review of the second book and now we've gone through the first one, The Signature of the Cell, which is a really, really good book. It's kind of heavy on the on the science part. And we started with a couple of hundred pages into his third book, which is the new one, The Return of the God Hypothesis, that is out this month. And um, we're going to go through both of them and then have some reflections and thoughts on this. So overall, going into the details of the cells, this is maybe the most important thing for this episode, is that it is kind of stunning to see the complexity of the nanomachinery in the cells. It is a hyper-sophisticated nanomachine, a digital information processing system with molecules. And it's also, in some ways, it's kind of beyond what we are able to, to, <laughs> to create ourselves yet. And there's also still many open questions about the code that is in the DNA, like what it means. There's so many layers to it. Parts of the DNA is, is kind of little streams of, of, um, of codes that are defining or the recipe to make proteins. But there's also lots of other things that we don't understand yet what it is, what it says. Um, gradually, the last 10 to 15 years in genomics, like there's been this, all these discoveries that you could also, in some ways, look at it. A part of it is like looking at a hard drive that you have information spread out all over the over the disk. So this is the same with the gene, this kind of <laughs> the long streams of the base pairs that sometimes it's kind of the... They take bits, kind of chunks of code from many different places and put them together and then that becomes a message or an instruction set. And there's also like um, one string can also mean many different things up to like thousands of different things because you can take one stream. This is like uh, coding messages in <laughs> like spies and like wartime uh, things. Like you have a message, but then you have a key, then you can transpose the message into uh, like you, you you do little calculations on all the little uh, letters for example and if you have a coded message and then you get another message that means something else and this is also the same then one one has discovered over the last uh, 10 to 15 years with the gene sequencing and also that 
there's a there's a system of kind of levels in in the genes that they're kind of arranged into folders and then super folders and then mega folders like the instructions for a small thing in kind of let's say like a hand or like some part of of the body kind of you have arranged them into sections and this is uh, just an emerging field of science that is um, full of new discoveries all the time so these things are just stunning because it is like we have only recently within let's say the hundred last years discovered computer science and now we see that so many of the things we have been trying to develop has been implemented at the molecule atom level in the cells which <laughs> which have been around for three billion years so that's part of the argument in his first book so back like to Stephen Meyer and the way he presents this his writing is crystal clear it's the you can take just the science bit like when he's uh, presenting the topics and just learn about the cells and then you get the reflections on and the mysteries as he sees it and you can choose to relate to that or not in some ways um so but the just to kind of to present the book he makes the argument that uh, there is just this basic comparison when you find something very complicated that you could ask like is this whether it looks which one, which of two alternatives is most likely that it just uh, appeared randomly or that it is does it look more like a designed process or like a complete kind of out of randomness which is um, one of the strongest arguments might be th- the problem with creating a self-replicating cell because if you have at some point you need if a cell like the first cells let's say three three and a half billion years ago if they don't self-replicate they just disappear so you need from kind of out of nothing you need to suddenly have the level where you have a little machinery that can replicate itself or kind of (laughs) self-breed if you if you like and the jump from chemistry floating around to a self-replicating machine uh is an area of research it seems like you need something like 300 genes is one estimate is the minimum amount of genes to have enough uh, descriptions and and kind of definitions and a system to self-replicate and to get that from nothing is, is is still one of those mysteries that first little step so that's uh in some ways one could say one of the strongest arguments of of the book is just looking at the technology the 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 system and then um then wonder how how you get there so uh that is in some ways the gist of the first book and then the second book we talked about it in the last episode so that's more focused on the cambrian explosion kind of how we get from from one-celled animals and sponges to this uh, huge variety of animals around roughly around 500 million years ago with the trilobites and then it's like all different kinds of animals that are that are super sophisticated compared to the sponges which are kind of five different cells or just uh, one-celled animals and then how this jump happened so but that is more you, you have more um 
likely hypothesis about kind of how this could evolve. When it's sometimes with a creative process, once it starts, it kind of erupts sometimes because there's something about, for example, breaking some boundaries and then suddenly you can have this extreme variety suddenly happening before things kind of find, uh, define their shapes and then you suddenly have new body plans, for example. So, um, and then quickly jumping to the, the new book. So the first two books, they came out in 2009 and 2013, and the new book is out now then in 2021, April, March, April. And it's a little bit different reading. So the first two books are really great. You can read it for the science and be amazed by it in itself. A little bit of the issue we have here with the third book is that he's bringing out the third part with, um, with cosmology. And there are some problematic parts about how he describes the, the cosmology, uh, especially how he, he promotes uh, the Big Bang Theory as kind of fully, <clears throat> fully settled and sorted. And there are still some big issues with that theory that is not... Uh, presented in the book so um, as we talked about in other episodes earlier here we have the the interviews with for example chris brown who's more like an independent physicist or cosmologist but you can just look at the basis like the the that theory we're going to make this really short but that theory is the, the sole premise is the redshift of distant galaxies and that could come from different sources and there are some problems with that that redshift seemingly, if that is interpreted as something moving away, it's equally in all directions from the Earth. And then the postulate is still that the Earth is not the center of the universe, but that there is no center of the cosmos. But that does not make any sense. If you start with a, with a, with a flash, a point, and it grows, it will have a shape. And if you have a shape, there will be some... Part, there will be a center and a periphery of a shape. So that in itself is just seen as a, a, something that is hard to explain. And uh, it, you could have these theories about like the something, like the shifting of the light could be affected by the distance. And that would also just explain <laughs> why it looks like everything, the further away it is, it seems, well, it shifts more and it shifts equal in all directions from from the viewpoint of the observer. So anyways, that's just one of them. And uh, and you also have things like the the age of the universe. If you calculate the way that that theory does, it, it doesn't... There are There is a star 200 light years away from us that is about 14 billion years old. It was first thought to be 16 billion years old and the universe is supposed to be 13.7. And then they have found different way of estimating the age and kind of brought it down to 14. And then they think, well, soon we will find another more accurate way and then we will bring it down into kind of... <laughs> so it is... So that star is younger than the universe as it should be. So uh, that's just one one tiny example. Uh, but overall, to keep that part short, cosmology is a very young field. It's a very immature field. It's full of imaginative theories there are also problems that we don't even know the size of the universe. We know the observable cosmos, but we have no idea how big it is. So it's hard to make an overall comprehensive theory about something we don't we only know a part of. And it's been this thing in cosmology for for centuries that it it kind of fluctuates between being more scientific and and uh, 
and concrete, but then you have new discoveries, and then you get all these imaginative theories, and then sometimes the, the, the you know, sometimes the more those theories who are more attractive just by their kind of uh, <laughs> they can just like the the more stunning theories, let's say, could sometimes just be just much more attractive and get more attention. And you're caught in this this kind of swirl of of different ideas, but but it's hard to know. And it's by definition then a field that is not fully matured yet. So coupling this back to the latest book of Stephen Meyer, uh, it's it's not a good it's not the best part of the book to bring in the cosmology. If he stays on the DNA enigma, the kind of the first cell and the Cambrian explosion, these these are kind of established hard facts areas where you can look into the science and make some reflections for yourself. And you kind of the, the facts speak for themselves. Uh, if you bring in cosmology, you you kind of drawn into this um, very different uh, an area with a different nature and it, it it's um it's in some ways it's weakening the argument uh, to, to stay on a more firm established grounds as he could have done but anyways we are just halfway through the newest book of the the return of the god hypothesis so we will then read the rest and then have a more thorough walkthrough of the whole book and um that was the main things we wanted to say about Steve Meyer, uh, but it's again hugely recommended. If some, if anyone hasn't read it, just have a look at it and uh, and uh, see what you what you think, and maybe it can spur some new thoughts. Uh, one of the the very inspiring and positive arguments in his books is that he has a long, long list, kind of pages of suggestions for further research, which is. Uh, just sparkling new ideas that could be uh, looked upon and kind of dived into by by anyone. So uh, that's kind of what we try to do here is to find the areas of, of new discovery, new exploration, and just the joy of learning and, and discovering more and new things. So that is, um, that's the overall thoughts of his books after having read two and a half of them. Um, we'll also say that Stephen Meyer is a really good storyteller. Like it's a very captivating presentation of this race to understand the DNA molecule, for example, and all this, th- these big questions that are coming up and also just getting a, a, a walkthrough of how uh, one thing is what Darwin suggested in the middle of the 1800s and then 100 years later you had several big discoveries uh, with both the, the molecular parts, kind of the atoms in the cell, and also fossil finds in, for example, British Columbia or in southern China. So, but but that goes back again to the second book, which is perhaps maybe the the best one to have a, as a starting point. At least that's how it looks so far. So, um, those are the main thoughts. There are there's also interesting kind of history of science there, and just a reminder that. Um, the theology part was very much present in the birth of the modern science with Kepler and with Newton, uh, which where they're stating in their work that they are trying to find out kind of how the creator made the creation. So this is 
kind of their they put this as a purpose to their research and it's a good reminder to just to know that that is the case that is not like modern science didn't cut off everything outside the strict boundaries of rationality it was conducted within an embedded understanding of theology like it was much which was the, the how they did it in the medieval times for example so um that's also a good little reminder that there is something a little bit um, misrepresented with with the this complete split between science and theology. It depends on the type of theology. That's kind of a, that's a whole different topic, but there are huge varieties in what kind of theologies, what kind of conceptual or kind of mysterious. Uh, versions or how one approaches or thinks or experiences something like the divine depends hugely on the theology one kind of is drawn to and um, some of them are much more uh, <laughs> it's always more compatible with science than others perhaps and uh, but this is a whole different uh, topic uh, because then you, you you will stumble like like the, the, done so many times earlier in history and those five, six hundred years ago, you will stumble into this debate that the institutions that are are representing theology are are sometimes against science, but that is not because the theology is it. So anyways, we'll stop this one here. Uh, hope this was interesting and maybe some inspiration to, to look at Stephen Meyer's books and read it. And if you have any thoughts, please write to us at scienceideas at gmx.com. So scienceideas at gms.com. And... Uh, uh, with that, we're going to do more research and come back with another episode and sum up all of Stephen Meyer's work shortly. So with that, hope you're having a great day. Maybe it's nice weather and good cup of coffee. And uh, thanks so much for listening and see you again in the next episode. It's not too late to make someone's holiday season a special one. Start now as an Amazon delivery station warehouse associate to earn some extra money for the holidays. You'd help bring joy to thousands near you by preparing packages and loading them up for their final delivery. With night and early morning shifts available through the new year, you'd also have the flexibility to spend time with your loved ones. To start as a delivery station associate, go to Amazon.com slash holiday work. Amazon is a proud equal opportunity employer. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.